And we're back. Uh, fellow well, fellow Fredheads in chat, please post Tiawl Bean as often Let's as you can. Let's continue on. Thurston! <laughs> <laughs> Let's hop Hello. to it. Hello. What, what's up? Hello. What's up, Game Master? Yeah, so so as we, we left, um, after Tannhauser had dealt a decisive electric blow to the vast form of the rot-driven crawdad, a incorporeal spectral figure of Pickturn Squelchfoot appeared. And Pickturn indicated I, I, I just I wasn't feeling that good. I must have must have just had a case of the of the manies. <coughs> Is that really you, Pickturn? Well, yeah, of course it's me. Who else would it be? I go to. Well, I mean, camp. sometimes people do think I look a little bit like Billimus, but Billimus doesn't play the pipes, you know. These pipes here, they're they're very good, but oh, I'm not feeling so good. Oh, I think I might have ate something bad, man. You know, I gotta sit a spell. Why, why would you come sit with me? I got a campfire over here, just just beyond this house yonder. Come on, come on. Insight check. Uh, you mean perception? Oh yeah, perception. Game wrong perception. Wrong game. Game wrong. Punisher. <laughs> I will. I will give you disadvantage on this as, road. As she's. <laughs> as she's wrong, could you put us on the grid so we can have a thing to look at? Oh. And just throw Pickerns token on. I could do that. I could. I have to, you know, load it all up and stuff. And, or I could just go to here. Yeah, that works. Oh, good I job just, on the on the edit there on a on Baldrick's It's head. pretty good, right? It's yeah, pretty yeah, good. good job, right? It's Vic. Flawless. It's Vic. <laughs> Flawless. 10 out of 10. Perfect. That's just Vic. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, can I make a perception check? Yeah, you can make a perception check. Absolutely. I'd you like can do to anything you want. Check. That I would like a... to make a perception check. Thank you, sure. Rua. Sure, Rua. Vic Rua is very tired. She's going to cough to up make a perception check. Yeah, yeah, everyone. It's like, I love the sense motive moment, by oh the way. Oh my fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that was me. I thought I rolled a three. No, no, no. I, That's I a nat 20 to 35. I love the sense motive effect. The... This seems sus. I want to make a sense motive. Followed me by, hey, can I make a sense? Yeah, I don't trust it either. I want to make a sense motive too. <laughs> the rolling oh, so busy. I don't trust his motivation up. either. Yeah. Um, all right. So Volley and Tannhauser, there's there's something weird. Uh, Rahua, you your your um, antediluvian uh, insight allows you to recognize that turn Squelchfoot has no idea what's going on or what has gone on and is just kind of sitting down like like some kind of fragment echo in fact as you as you gaze you you get the the clear insight that this is the the tangled remains of Picturn's soul stuff his atma which has uh now sort of coalesced back into his form here Pictone, how much well, do you fire's nice. <sighs> how much do you remember of the last 
well, how many, I guess the last few hours, even a few minutes? Well, you know, I remember that we went, you know, we went into that, into that swamp. Well, you found me in that swamp. That was, that was the, that was the important thing. I was, I was, I was in a bad place. You know, I, I should have said something about that when I, when I first met you. I mean, we were busy. There were all sorts of gribbly grabblies in the swamp. Those were no good, but you know, it's, uh, hey, come on, come on, come on, friend. Sit, sit down. You know, I should have done this the, the first night we were together. You know, I, I, I talk a lot. I, I, it's kind of a coping mechanism that I have, really, you know. But, you know, I... Hickton, what's the last thing that you remember? Well, you know, us going into the swamp together, that, you know, gotta, gotta find something, I think it was. But but that that don't matter, you know. My friend. Well, sit, sit down, sit down. See, what we gotta, what we gotta do here is I, something I should have done, like I said, on the first night. On the first night I should have done this. I, I wanted to ask, you know, about y'all about your histories, about, you know, like, like what brought you together and, and what, what, what motivates you and all that. Rahul's... So, you know, I got a bit of time, so why don't we, why don't we hear some stories from y'all? Rahui is a bit conflicted because he, he wants to tell him very much what is going on. But he also wants to respect the fact that he doesn't know and give him this little bit of peace. And Rahua looks to his party members for any kind of visual, I guess, go ahead of what to do. It's like, is this guy, he, he doesn't know. He has no idea. You might know more than you think. I say we honor this wish. And like all of you are kind of back just by the edge of the houses where, you know, you, you see Picter and is kind of like poking at this this fire and the, you can see the light of the of the rose wound, the immense sort of wound of the sky up above kind of shimmering down here. Everything still has this strange intangible property, uh, but Picter is getting the fire going. Is this all that's left of him? It's... It's some remnant of what Picturn was, or in this case may still be, but not for very long, unfettered by the infection that beset him. From, from all accounts, it seems like he doesn't remember anything beyond when we last first met him. Possibly shortly after that point, he was consumed entirely, and whoever this was of him was suppressed under creeping sick that ate away at the rest of him. Evidently eating his memories too. I, I would second what Tannhauser had said, and at the very least honor his request. Have a little heart to heart, as it were, before we, if we, have to break the news to him. Right. Now yeah. I'm with Tanny. Uh, he's dead, it's not gonna be a... Sorry. Alright, well... Hey, fire, fire's ready, y'all. Why don't y'all come, come come on and sit down? Oh, sure, I, good. <laughs> you know, I used to sit up back here all the time. Oh, starry nights just like these are great, you know. 
didn't think I'd, I'd be able to, to come back to this farm, you know? Oh. Uh, <laughs> You know, not not since those 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 folks from Radaman came. Oh, they 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 burned the whole thing down. From where? Uh, give me a society check. Society. Society. My society is okay. Oh, natural twenty. Hey. Yeah, um, Vali, you definitely recognize the name Radaman. Radaman is one of the Inheritor lands, uh, the nations in the Inheritor lands. Specifically, it's like the area that's almost just due east of where Outset is, sort of the the, the large sort of crag uh, foothills and mountains that separate Outset from the, the rest of the Perdomen continent. On the other side of them is this area called Radaman that is uh, filled with like minor bandit lords and it, it, it's, it's an impoverished nation that's really known for having a couple like mines and and such in the foothills but they've all since all dried out and the people there have really just turned to banditry oh well I'm glad you get to see it again bud I'm gonna oh, yeah. sit down next to the fire with him it was a nice place. I had, to, I had to run, though, when those folks from Radaman came. Oh, it was an awful time. I haven't seen my family since. You know, it was okay, though. It was only a couple couple summers uh, after my mom passed, after the tar lung got her. Oh. How much of your family is left, Big Turn? Oh, I don't know. When the folks from Radaman came, we all just ran in different directions. I found myself with one of them caravans uh, going through going through the hills and I ended up in in outset and you know I thought I thought I'd, I'd make make myself something something part you know prior to all this happening <laughs> it's a fu fu funny little little thing but prior to all this happening uh, my mom you know like I said she had the tar lung real bad so she was in the bed and one day Billimus came and got me and said oh mom wants to talk to you it's it's the it's gonna be the talk the last talk and I knew I knew so I went I went back home and I you know stepped up and first of all mom said take off your hat indoors so I took off my hat indoors like you do and then then she said pick turn there's there's two, there's two important things. I need you to know, two important things. One, you're good at playing those pops, so, so never give up playing those pops. I take that, that's why I play these pops, see? The other one, well, the other one was, she said, pick turn, my boy, there's, there's two types of people in this world. There are those who have destinies and they go on to do great things and their names are going to be remembered and then there's the people who help those people with their destinies people who you know aren't sung in the stories sometimes maybe even they're the ones singing the stories you know pick mom, mom, mom said that you know both those types of people are important in their own way and it's not a bad thing to be someone who you know helps the people who got those big destinies it's an okay thing. That was the last thing she said to me before the Tarlung got her. Well, you know, that was that. And then, like I said, a couple years later, the folks from Radaman came, and we all had to go our separate ways. So that, you know, then I came to outside, and that's why I have these pipes. And I just kept piping, you know? Now, you folks, you, you, I, you know, I said some mean things, you know? I, 
I know I did, and I apologize I take ownership. I said you were all bad people. That That's not true. That's not what I believe. See, I believe... I believe people here in this world I'm tying right now, every, you know, with everything going on, you know, that, that weird rot stuff. What's that all about? Anyways, rot, that's strange. I hope I never have to deal with it. But, you know, that rot stuff, you know, with all that, I don't think there's there's good or evil people. I think there's just people being people. So when I when I say that sort of stuff to you, I, I, I didn't. I, that came from a from a dark place. You know, sometimes I just I just got it all bottled up in me, you know? Now, like I said, day one, what I should have done, should have asked all you, well, your stories are, you know, I keep on talking. So, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna shut my, my little cornhole here. Why don't you tell me about yourselves? Um, you know, I don't know much about you. I know Tannhauser, you got a revolution, and Oren, you were, you're looking for your, your dragon friend. I don't know why or what makes that important. I, I mean, Rahua, you're, you're the only tree person I've seen. Uh, you know, Victrix, you're, you're kind of new here, um, but, you know, I'm sure you got some good stories about Baldric, too. You know, <laughs> Baldric was there from the beginning. And then, Vali, I, I know you're a captain, but, you know, I don't know what you're a captain of. Oren uh, pipes up and looks at Valley going, I've always wondered what, uh, what happened to your ship, Valley. Oh, uh, that's not really all that nice a story. Um, maybe. Well, neither was my mom dying and those folks from Radaman coming, but. Oren will, uh, kind of look at Valley going, a lot of stories aren't nice, Miss Valley, but what defines a person and kind of what experiences kind of grow from it and. That kind of helps us understand more of you so we can, you know, understand each other more, especially since we've, well, in a tentacle sense, died together. <laughs> and Vali's gonna just kind of sit down next to the fire, just kind of lower herself next to it. And All right. Well, if you want the story, I can give you the give you the essential parts of it, I guess. Vic will sit down next to her and balance herself with the the glaive because she's also not feeling terribly great. There you go. Now everyone's at the fire. All right, hold on. I gotta go put my cat outside before I start doing emotional things. She's clawing my leg. Oh, no. <laughs> well, anyway, I lost my dog. Ah. <laughs> Come here, Start tearing up. Start stealing your socks. I don't know if Chad has ever had a a cat that would just like just grab your socks and tear them off and run away. I don't think I'm the only one who's had that, but I've had a cat named Chi who would do that. Uh, Odo's cat loves just attacking and murdering people's feet. And the animal has been deposited. (laughs) (laughs) All right, yeah. Volley is going to just kind of uh, seat herself in front of the fire, just kind of shifty-eyed between Picturn and the rest of the crew. All right, well, it's only because this is sort of... Well, because you asked Picturn, and I'll honor that. Wide-eyed smiles, nods, doesn't say a word, intently oh, listening. Oh, God. Volley kind of shifts and 
runs a hand through her hair, takes the hat off. It's obviously a very fidgety, very nervous kind of energy. Well... Airships are... I'll preface it with this. Airships are rare in time. There are maybe a handful of them anywhere, and for a long time, my people have taken to the skies to avoid the rod. So... Those who are entrusted with the captaincy of an airship are important people where I come from. People that need to be brave and smart and good leaders and that's what my mom was. Um, I come from a little place down Or in popular, little, little um, place south of what? Uh, in the south of Perdoma. A mountain range up against the coast. Um, a little city known as Ayesa. And, um, well, my mom was a fantastic captain. She, she really pulled through for our people. She managed to, you know, not a lot of stuff comes down that far south, so we've sort of had to turn to whatever we can do to survive, and she was the captain of our only airship. She was brave and strong and a good leader, and I wanted to be just like her. But, uh... Well, something happened. When I was young. Um... A few years ago, really. And... There was an accident, an attack. Mom lost both her legs, and an arm, and most of her will to fight. But somebody had to still pilot the ship. Somebody had to step up. Somebody had to... had to be Captain Varley. And that was me, for a little bit. It was quite the honor, and admittedly, it, it went to my head. I thought that I was god damn near the most important person in time. I was untouchable up in the air. At least I thought. And... well... A few years passed. I wasn't a good captain. My adventures were barely that. Successes barely got us half of what we needed to survive, and failures saw lives and livelihoods lost. I... 
wasn't really worthy of being called Captain Marley. So, they threw me off. Dumped me right on Outset's doorstep. For the Tyrant's Guild to find, it wasn't hard. And that's where you found me. Drunk off my ass and still swearing that I was worthy of being a captain. So, that's the story. Has anybody got any alcohol? Or nah. Druids have like a crate water. There needs to be a crate boo spell. <laughs> They'd be like, Vic will have her covered. Yeah, and Orn, Orn will, will kind of come over and give Valley a hug. You know, just kind of comforting and like pat on the back, going like, Well, well I like you being captain, Miss Valley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I sort of kept the name. It's not really mine. Orn will uh, kind of look down a little bit, then look at her, and then go like, "Well, Miss Valley, after everything we've been together so far, I think you burned it." <laughs> well, maybe. I still don't uh, think I'm half the Captain Mom was. <laughs> I don't even know if. Even if I found the old crew, if I'm capable of taking back over. I don't even know if Mob knows yet. But she was Captain Volley. That's how she made her name. She was the Dread Captain Volley, Terror of the Skies, hero to our people. And there always had to be a Captain Volley, you know? That when she was injured, somebody had to keep the name up, keep the legend going. That's what I was supposed to do. So it's not my name. Uh, my, my name is Vina. Uh, I'm just her kid. The nepotism hire, isn't that something? <laughs> Vic's gonna just like reach over and punch, punch her on the shoulder gently. Ow! Ow! Ah, quit that. Doesn't suit you. She'll pull out a little brown, very murky looking bottle from her uh, pack and pass it over. Your name's what you make of it. Doesn't really matter if it's yours or not. You are who you are. It's up to you to pick your name, right? <clears throat> Guess so. I'm going to take the alcohol, take a long drink. You don't really <sighs> think my first name is Sir, right? I was willing to, ex uh, I was willing to accept that. <laughs> as long as you don't forget it, that's all that matters. <laughs> Ah, so yeah, now you know the dirty details. And uh, if you see the ship, I guess you can't really blame the crew for chucking me off. Bastards as they might be. 
Well, to me anyway, Captain Venus sounds like a better name. <laughs> Regardless of the name, your experiences have made you the greatest captain I've had the distinction of serving with. I know by journey's end, your legend will likely more than eclipse that of your mother. You have that potential. The spark, the heart. I believe that you have learned the cruel lessons of your past. Pain is among the most poignant of teachers. But as Tannhauser said, you have come to learn from that and are not necessarily shackled by the circumstances of your own origin. But you set out and begun making your own legend, your own life. Though you may not be Dread Pirate Vali, there is no reason you should necessarily bear the weight of her own legacy when it is not one you necessarily wish to own for yourself. I would think you are doing just fine in cultivating your own legacy in time. Whether you too will be a Dread Pirate Vina or someone sung about in more dulcet tones the taverns and pubs cross outset. That is your story to tell. One which I think you have a firm grasp on the pen. And I am eager to read alongside you as you write. Thanks. All of you. There's... Might be a smear on the pavement without you guys. It's been... <laughs> it's been an incredible journey so far. And there's not enough I can say to... Thank you, guys. We're... More than a crew. We're... Well, I'd hope we're friends by now, right? <laughs> Save your thanks for Baldrick Blue. I don't know shit about you. <laughs> but, you know, huh. you're pretty cool regardless, I guess. You can pass on the message, asshole. I'm sure in the arm. <laughs> she'll, she'll pat your shoulder and, and then take her flask back. But, uh... Well. Satisfied, Picturn? Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was, you know, that was, that was... I'd say real nice, but you know, it, it's, it's a, that's a lot to take in. You, you've gone through stuff, you know? It's it's important to get that off your chest sometime. Tell people, let people in. If all you're doing is bottling up everything, it, well, it's just not gonna, gonna go well, you know? But hey, 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 you know, I, good enough for me, but you know, this is, this is about y'all. Y'all, what, what about you? What about you, Tannhauser? Where are you from? What's what, what, what drives you? Ready for Tannhauser story time. My story's not exactly an elegant or pretty one. And though I will tell it regardless at behest of our fallen comrade, I admit there is a reason I am at times closed-lipped about it. 
Very well. Honor compels me. I am Tannhauser, born slave of the tyrant Lord Golgotha in the Inheritor Lands. I myself and thousands of my cohorts toil away underneath the reign of the Lord Tyrant, under the auspices of the Black Papacy tending to the great raiding farms and making sure Golgotha's domain throughout the Badlands. Under Lord Golgotha, I learned well the meaning of blood and flame, and I knew just as well the tuck of a master's leash. But fortunately, among the other children, I was uniquely vicious. I grasped the talent of arcanery, and to me the machines of ancient Sescorin sung sweetly in my grip. They didn't teach me how to read, though. In full. Enough to recognize the patterns on passing merchants, to read the barest of ship manifests. But my violence and hatred saw me rise high. I went from a lowly slave soldier to a raid master, alongside my coterie of fellow soldiers. No soul was safe in the desert. And to my own neck were laid the painful lash. I slapped it on thousands. And I knew ecstasy from it. I saw those passing spy. I saw our rivals and foes, and I ground them into the dirt. I left them bloody. I left them broken on the sands, and I won great and many prizes for my elegance and cruelty. But the life of a slave soldier, even a raid master, is hollow. How many countless crimes did I commit? How many men, women, and yes, even children did I consign to the leash? Did I consign to the crucifix? Did I leave headless and screaming out, animated, twitching by the apparatuses granted to our masters? But such adrenaline can only keep a soul satiated for so long. And soon, one couldn't help but see the leash. You killed to escape it, but always it was there. And it was there, one callow morning, where I happened upon a bounty that would change my life forever. 
An individual from the city of Outset. One traveling, a scholar of Zeskoring mysteries, those I had but a curious affinity for. Her guards were nothing. But she herself, they did not resist. Indeed, they calmly accompanied us, and I had a feeling that some strange unseen gambit was inevitable, and I took it upon myself as Raid Master to see to it she was interrogated. But it was not I that gave, that gleaned information. It was I that gave it. For whereas countless other passers-by of the inheritor land saw only a cruel and bloody bandit, Zale looked at me with eyes that recognized the child raging beneath it all. She did not fear me. She pitied me. And I had not felt the sensation before then. She spoke to us about the marvels of ancient Zeskoran. She told us of lands far from the sands, ones not ruled by oppressors and petty barons, but one of stone. One still ruled with an iron grip, but one loosened enough to allow dissent to intermingle betwixt its fingers. She told me much, much, and then she told me more. Zale had come to Tedeskoran to find a particular item, one she believed that would help her in unseating a tyrant in her far-off mysterious city, and I spat on her for it. But shortly before we reached camp, I realized the wisdom of her words. I realized that far beyond that hellish place I grew up in, there lie countless other souls like me. Souls who had the liberty of choosing their occupation. Souls who grasp on to the most precious thing of all, liberty, freedom, and of course the last of which Sale fought for her whole life, equity. I was no match for her, and neither was my coterie. And so it was that we fought back the sting of the leash, and rather than bring her to Lord Galgotha, we set her free, and we ran like madmen through the desert sands, trailing behind us the great machines, the ones lined with razors and spinning spikes that had once been at my command. They sailed behind me, and they cut through my fellows. 
us all. And I could hear that familiar, hollow laughter that I had echoed in my own throat so many times, chasing behind me, and I knew soon all would be lost. In a last-ditch effort to ensure something meaningful would come from our rebellion, I threw myself before the machines, and I was ripped asunder. Barely alive. Not an ounce of flesh left. And for emphasis, he moves his mechanical fingers. Somehow, Zael's magic saw me survive. But when next I gained consciousness, I was floating in a tube amidst her laboratories in that far-off city. And there it was that I was taught all the things I had lusted for in my life. I was taught philosophy. I was given an education, a purpose. My eyes were laid bare to the concept of trespasses and crime, and I knew my soul would be irrevocably stained unless I devoted my every waking moment, every waking second, to a dream grand enough to undo my sin. I became Lady Zale's apprentice. I followed her for many a year. And I did all I could to learn from her. All I could to protect her. But as happens so often for us revolutionaries, time was merely a fleeting luxury. While I was away on business, her laboratory would be burnt to cinder. The only living person left to continue Zale's dream was me. And I will continue it. I will see to it that children will not have to grow up choosing between death and pain. I will see to it that this world of imbalances is reorganized. I will see freedom and liberty triumphant. I will see a greater future carved asunder. And while I may not know those honeyed words of Zale or her elegant quandaries, I know cruelty. And so I will visit upon the cruel that which they hath beckoned me. And somewhere amidst the blood and mutilation, I hope to achieve Zale's dream. And should I fail, comrades, I hope one of you will bravely carry our sword. Well, I can't lift a sword very high, but I'll do my best. Well, your best <laughs> is all that matters. Thanks.
I'm glad, I'm glad you expect me to use it real, real big, lack, because that would not go well. Orn will put a hand on Tannhauser's shoulder, just kind of, you know, calming him down a bit, bit there, because obviously he's assuming he's reaching dreadful memories. And it'll just kind of nod to him. I imagine you will likely think less of me knowing that. But such is the way of this world. I have not given absolution for lesser crimes than I own. Horn will, uh, will kind of, not really nod, he'll just kind of, like, motion his head of acknowledging going. There's a lot of things, Mr. Tannhauser, then, you know, I don't think any of us are really proud of, but what matters are the actions that you're currently doing now here. You understand and you wish to go forward, and even though it might be replaced with metal, Mr. Tannhauser, he'll kind of take his wooden hand and kind of tap near his, or motion near his chest and go, it might have been replaced, but at least the spirit's still in there. And that's the most important thing that you need to retain. And I'm glad to have at least helped you in some small way. And I think we still will. Without all of you, I would likely be dead in some forgotten alleyway. I would have staked it all on some insane gambit, thinking that I still had the deafness of body that I possessed as a younger man. And... I would have wasted my second chance. No, no revolution can be built without comrades. And you have all been my true companions. Even you, Picton. Especially you. Well, that's just swell. Isn't this fun, y'all? Getting getting it all out there like this? No. <laughs> I wouldn't kinda... call it fun. It's kind of small wonder that Baldrick kind of likes hanging out with you. They talk like that all the time. Shit, dude, come on. Oh, oh, Vic, you got you got to have some fun story about Baldrick, right? You can you, oh. you share with the class, right? You can share. You can share, oh, nodding come excitedly. On. Come on, can I really talk? So, can I really give an embarrassing account of Baldrick and what he got up to while he's not here? I mean, be real with me. Do I kind do I strike you as the kind of bitch that would do that? She kind of do you want the real answer? Fire. Yeah, you know the answer. Everyone, <laughs> you know the answer. <laughs> God damn. Ugh. All right, all right, fine. It was. Uh, I can tell you a little fun thing about him. Let me tell you. He is, uh, I have not known him forever. He's kind of not, kind of new to me, if I'm being honest with you. We've known each other for a couple of years now. Uh, you know, as, as he's probably told you, or you may have learned, last time him and I parted ways, he tried to poison me. And by that, I mean, he did poison me. I just didn't die to it, because fucking arsenic's pussy shit. She'll kind of just scratch her nose at that one. Uh, man, what the hell? You know what? You motherfuckers want to hear about the time he poisoned me and why the fuck we got to that point? 
That does sound rather funny. Ixtern's like nodding enthusiastically. All right. All right, so dig this. So here's how this works. So naturally, he's coming out onto the solitude, probably want to say a couple years back, because this is the last time he came out here to try and ditch the law. But he figured he could do two birds with one stone. Now, he's telling me all this after the fact. Uh, He picks me up around a few miles out of Zabble Zaps. I was doing trapping at the time, because, you know, you got to live out here. It's not exactly easy. Land out here fucking sucks. You've walked it. So he comes up to me with a band of three fucking weirdos behind him. Ah, what the hell were their names? Now, I remember one of them. One of them, uh, her name was Kedden Rutherford. She was some kind of, she was some kind of like mage blade, cell sword, whatever the hell. They they knew each other. They were pals or whatever. Uh, what the hell else? There was there was this weirdo called Merquette the Salubrious. Real, like, whacked out cleric. Like, you know, you know how, like, in, uh... Hey, Tree. She turns to Rahua. Yes? You like, you like the anarchy, right? Well, it is a part of me, and I a part of it. So, yes. So... You may not know this because uh, you're, you know, probably not the kind of guy to take part in this. But you know that in Outset, some of the lesser groups that, you know, pray to the anarchy and look to it for power, they take part in some kind of like ritual where they drink sacramental wine that's been laced with amphetamine. I'm familiar with some of these rituals, yes, but. Well, not necessarily step on your own story. Uh, you get the gist. So uh, you get the kind of cleric that you'd expect to drinks, you know, that kind of stuff. Then you got this guy. He was like a turncoat or something. His name was. Um, ah, crap. What was his name? Vostoy Kilburn. Warrant Officer Kilburn. Didn't know the guy myself, but apparently Baldrick had assembled him the whacked out cleric and his pal Kedden to come out into the solitude with him because this warrant officer, Kilburn, he had some details on something that was going down deep in the solitude. Now, not sure if you know this about this swampy green shithole, but there's a lot of bandit tribes. I don't know if you guys ran into any of them on your little leg of the trip. Me, I've been living out here. You just you tend to you tend to run into a lot of them jumping from arm candy to arm candy, you know, between clans trying to figure stuff out and earn a living. But there's a lot of them. You won't find them out in the open, and they usually hide in like dirt caves and hollowed out logs and other kinds of garbage just like kicking around. But at the time, about I wanna say a month prior to him coming here, there was a big dust-up in a wide-open field. Came to be known as the Clash of the Four Banners. It was it was ugly. It was between four bandit crews. There was Brick Boys Bruisers, the Rusted Bucklers, the Shovelers, and Hagfort's Glories. Now, you're not going to hear about them anymore 
because they literally beat themselves against each other so hard that that battlefield was strewn with most of their people. Now, in the middle of that dust up, they managed to upturn a whole bunch of stuff from, uh, well, cause you, you kind of probably guessed if you'd been looking around too hard, there's a lot of relics and salvaged crap kicking around from the last time someone tried to siege outset. Well, they're dust up, lots of mages hurling fireballs and blowing shit up, unearthed quite a find. So the site had two things of real value to the Tyrant's Guild, them being corpses for resurrecting labor and, you know, <laughs> perfect tight salvage. Now, that's some interesting stuff right away, right? Gotta figure that. So... I mean, I figure that, sure. Yeah, it's all... It's all useful shit. And Mr. Kilburn happens to be uh, a little pissy that he doesn't get to uh, be paid for locating all of it because he and his scout team were the ones who found it. So he naturally turns coat and winds up in the hands of Baldrick. He comes out. He needs a little bit of muscle. So, you know, she taps her own bicep through her own armor. What better muscle out here than one of the best well, uh, well-versed well mercenaries since Vigor the Bull? So, I'm out here. So we're getting to work on this. We're we're laying out their plans. Baldrick's chatting with Kilburn and Kedden trying to figure stuff out. Marquette's doing his praying nonsense. And I'm, I'm spending time getting the lay of the land. Picturn raises his hand. What's up? Just one question. Was Baldrick wearing the, he- the, the the bucket at the time? Yeah, he was. It was a different model. It was, um, I think that one was actually more of a bucket. This one, the one he wears, like, the one you guys saw him wearing recently, that thing, uh, that was not the one he was wearing last time. I think the other one really was a bucket. But it had the same kind of eye slot, if you can believe that. Okay, thank you. You ever notice he has a proclivity for the bucket? She's just kind of turning to the rest of the party for this one. Yeah, I always thought that was weird. Uh, Why would he take it off? What if someone tries to shoot him in the head? Eh, I don't know. He he must have figured out that a bucket's not very imposing, so he actually had a actual helmet made. Problem is, it looks still looks like a fucking bucket. Stupid dumbass. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You ever have a reason he tell you that he wears it, or? Uh, just uh, one of his quirks. Uh, I didn't really ask because what people wear is really kind of their own business or what they don't wear. And she kind of points her pinky over towards uh, her pinky finger over towards Rahua. It's your business. You could wander around here nude or fully plated all you want. It doesn't matter to me, none. As long as you can pull your weight. And, hmm. um, you know, to his credit, that guy could pull his weight. Hey, never seen an alchemist. Quite as quick-witted as that guy, for as much as he sounds like a goddamn buzzing engine just crapping out. But beside that, uh, where the hell was I? All right, so we're plotting this nonsense out. We're plotting out this whole deal of ambushing this survey team. And naturally, since the survey team's coming out here, they also have to pull all their dependents and their, you know, camp followers and crap. Because, you know, you're going to be out here in the solitude a while studying a big, nasty battlefield, resurrecting dead bandits to serve as labor. 
and cracking open busted ass siege weapons for any kind of loot you can find. So we start setting up for the ambush. Baldrick's getting everything squared away in position. We've got everything we need. Me and our little five man band is ready to take on this 40 odd something survey group and all their dependents. Now, I need you to understand something. That battlefield, every bandit clan that got wiped out, there was like 60 to 70 people strong. These, these were some of the biggest bandit crews that were out here at the time. And of course, they beat their brains out trying to kill each other. So a bunch of dead littering the field. So we get started on all this. And I really hate giving him credit on this one, but the plan went off without a fucking hitch. We start laying into him. Him and Kedden are wrecking shit. He's direct the that warrant officer, Kilburn. He's directing all of us around to hit the most important locations, hitting the mess tent, hitting any barracks type location they'd set up. We we hit every single target we needed to in their setup camp, and we trounced the bastards. We wiped them out. They were done for when we were through with that. There were any Tyrants Guild goons that could hold a weapon like sprinted into the swamp after that. Their little survey site was now a big smoldering crater or, you know, a bunch of them, I guess. So that was a good start to things. But naturally, we've got now this weird, like. We got this dependent train that we've got sitting around here and Baldrick is trying to trying to coordinate with Kedden to figure some stuff out. And we we've been sitting out here for a while, so everyone's nerves were a little fray. Cause I don't know if you noticed this, but the solitude's not a nice place. Him and Kedden were not really on speaking terms after a, a little incident involving some busted alchemical goods. Frankly, I was pissed off at that frickin' cleric because he just he kept mouthing off about how great the anarchy was and just he was insufferable. And Kilburn was no better roses either. He's he's a suck up tyrants guild goon, so whatever. So we're 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 picking through stuff and Baldrick is trying to figure out a good way to deal with the dependents cuz uh he didn't really particularly like the idea of butchering a bunch of, you know, random family folk and camp followers. That's not his deal. Cuz especially cuz we're not an army at war, we're five people. But this is a problem he wasn't considering at the time. If we left any of their crap lying around, like their tents or any other other nonsense laying around, it'd be a very easy find for any Tyrants Guild people that come back. So while he's coordinating with all the civvies and doing what he needs to do, all those city folk are nice and far away from their tents. I elected to, well, burn down the tents. I trashed all their stuff. I took a torch and I burnt anything that wasn't a person because I knew I would have to deal with Mr. High and Mighty about the decision later. Now, naturally, as soon as they started going up, Kedden kind of ambushed me and started slugging the shit out of me. So we're getting into this dust up in the middle of the mud. We get pulled apart by Baldrick and the warrant officer and we start bickering for a bit. Baldrick seemed to be oddly pissed off at me for ruining these guys' chance of survival out here. And it's like, well, why'd they come out here, Baldy? Did you forget that part? He had a, he has a real frickin' vendetta 
against the Tyrant's Guild, but he doesn't really seem to think too hard about the, the side effects of what he does. He's, he's kind of he's kind of adult like that, I guess. But, you know, to his credit, he basically didn't want to kill any of them. So I said to him pointedly, well, they're out here now. It's up to them. They'll figure it out. So the five of us start heading back to Zabble Zaps to do our parting ways and pay each other. Him and Kedden actually started chatting a bit more after all that. It was, uh, eh, probably made up at some point in between all that garbage. Anyway, we get back, we settle up, he pays me, he pays the warrant officer, and I ain't ever seen that bastard since. And the, uh, the cleric, I think he split up and went somewhere else. I have no idea where he's at now. And Baldy and Kedden, they went back to outset. Simple as. I take a swig of my beer. I'm laid up for a week with probably the worst case of food poisoning of my life. Easy enough, right? Not sure what the deal was with him and Kedden, honestly. I don't remember what he, I don't remember their actual real relationship, come to think of it. She kind of grips her own chin as she's thinking about it. Mm. But 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 you, you got over the food poisoning, right? Oh, it was just it was just a little arsenic. It sucked. Oh. I was puking my guts out, but I still lived. That was the arsenic. Looks over to like Orin. I, 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 I like arsenic right away. I like how you made picked her an ass going like <laughs> it's like, oh, and I got shot. Did you live? <laughs> <laughs> you survived, right? Limbo? <laughs> <laughs> eh, doesn't matter. But yeah, him and uh, him and Kedden. Boy, those two were some. They were real good pals. Ain't seen Kedden, obviously, because uh, last I heard from, uh, based on I think. Oh no, I remember what happened. There was like a decree that came out. It was like announcing the deaths of some kinds of uh, subversive elements. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. It was in uh, Tyrant's Guild Weekly Decree. They usually send out these like flyers and missives announcing the deaths of seditious like people, like murderers and rebels and shit. Yeah, wasn't ex wasn't really looking too hard, but I did happen upon her name in that. So I guess she probably got axed. Well, the last time we talked after that, uh, I don't know. I think Baldrick was starting to come around to my way of thinking on some things. Guess he's, uh, <laughs> guess he's, uh, not quite so high and mighty as I thought. Ow. Ow. That was a lot, like Pokes Volley. Right? That was a lot, right? <laughs> that was a lot. <sighs> <laughs> Why didn't we yeah. do this on the first night? We should have done this on the first night. I don't think he would have told you, honestly. He doesn't really like talking about anything pertaining to uh, crap in the past. You'd be you'd be more easy to get blood from a rock. Yeah. Oh, I think he'd open up to me. Big wide picture and smile. No. <laughs> At that point, I wouldn't have said shit about me. And well, based upon what you said, Danny, I don't think you would have been excited to share either. No, I don't typically lead with the raid master bit. No. You want a real hoot? You should probably try asking him about his college education sometime, because he hasn't even told me that. I always knew he went to college. He seemed like that type. 
Yeah. Real funny. Right. Doesn't really strike you as the college type, does he? I mean, no. he's got, he, he seems formally educated. He's a highly educated individual. I'd be surprised if he didn't go. Yeah. Yeah, college is overrated anyway. I didn't go. I'm doing perfectly fine as I can tell. Oh. She kind of leans back a little bit and, and bumps shoulders with Volley. I uh, look at Vic's character sheet and take a look at her intelligence stat. What do I see? Uh, <laughs> Vic's intelligence is 10. Okay, that explains it. I'll give you a hint. Also, her wisdom is also 10. <laughs> Good for her. Good for her. Good. Went to the fighter, the fighting school of fighting. And reading's overrated anyway. Don't fucking worry about it. I can hardly read shit as it stands. Letters are bullshit made up by the government to keep you down. Well, it helps to read the wanted posters. You ever hear that birds actually aren't real? What? What? Yeah, they're all enchantments. Yeah, speaking of birds. She kind of leans over towards Oren. Bird boy, you ain't said crap this entire time. And every time I speak up, it seems like you want to shut up. You want to, you know, speak. You go ahead and tell a story, little man. Yeah, you tell us a story. Well, I was always hoping not to go because, well, uh, Oren kind of, kind of, kind of bundles up a little bit. Well, um, well, my journey kind of came through from a long way from here. Really, it took me several years to reach out. Set. Basically, my, my dad uh, basically runs in a pretty much a caretaking area up in the Vajal Mountains. It is where basically we just follow the greening way. We follow the ways of nature, um, either its brutalistic portions or for its caring nature. We try to give the shirts off our backs to those in need, but we make sure we can provide for ourselves. But there is where we found uh, found Gorgamunger. He was an abandoned hatchling. He was very sick, and he was alone uh, in several caves near near some of the mountain ranges where we lived. And I was tasked with learning of the Grinning Way and how to help take care of people and to understand loss if he was to ever die by healing him back to health and then taking care of him. Gorgamonger is actually the reason why I don't have my arm anymore and he kind of gestures with his wooden arm as I was learning my our practices throughout the clan the um, basically Gorgamonger as he got older was obviously you know dragons are not really born to be or certain ones are fairly feral and if quickened to anger he would lash out and that's how he took my arm away. But I learned that it was part of his nature. I didn't rebel against him or or try to lash back out at him, that I tried to understand him. And so for that, he further in gained trust in me after he calmed down and became quick friends. But as I was learning through years and years of my apprenticeship, uh, Gorgamunger was missing one day. Normally, he would go out to hunt, or we would teach him to hunt and so. But once we thought he was independent, we let him go. But he didn't come back for months. 
And so for that, when we went out to go investigate, we found that he was taken away. And of course, he was under our charge, and he's he was part of our family. Me and some of our clan, Farron and Yelix, we went out to go find him. I was still way too young to go out, but for every, every Strix in the mountains are soon after they kind of reach the age of 16, go out into the world to explore and to help save. And for me, I was to help sailors. And it seemed to be a pretty good teaching method to sail across the seas all the way up here. We try to follow his trail all throughout the isles, which are eastward of the continent of Mari. And through there, we follow the trail where Gorgomer was taken, and we eventually learned that poachers took him. That somebody with a lot of money hired a bunch of people to come in and find a dragon. And apparently ours was easy catchings. So, after tracking him down and so apparently someone got wind of got, got wind of us trying to track down Gorgamonger and and that's where the hunter came uh, there was this someone in, in armor who tracked me and my friends down and he's there's a reason why I'm alone up here this this knight killed both of my friends to try to stop us from following the trail. Because apparently we were the loose end and the only evidence showing that this, that Gorgamonger even existed. At least anybody. And I, and me not knowing what to do at the time, I couldn't help my friends. So the knight killed both of them and I was left alone to do the mission of finding Gorgamonger and bring him home. Since I'm the one who raised him, I took it as a personal mission to do so. So I hopped the ship, the ship, sailed across the oceans, and I found my way here. I have no idea of outside, anything outside of the mountains. I was just kind of thrust in here to grow up as quick as possible, and a lot of sacrifices were made, and, and Farron tried his best to teach me, but... You know, he didn't have enough time. And Yelix, after Farron was killed, was didn't have enough time to teach me the rest of the world either. So I just had to learn as I go. And so now when I finally came here, I was lost. I had knew nobody, had no trail, no nothing. I just only knew they took Gorgamonger here. And... You know, scared and alone, I pretty much disguised myself as an animal and try to keep to the streets. But of course, the poachers came, I assume again, and I and I ate them in the fence. I didn't want to leave any evidence. I transformed myself into a beast and and killed them both and tried to hide the evidence until, you know, I was locked up with you guys. And I try my best to kind of keep a happy appearance because... You know, everything's. Every, my dad seemed to make everything okay when there was a smile, and, and so did Farron. But it's kind of hard to smile now because as we've come through here, my entire purpose was to come here and save Gorgamonger. 
And even though I have my friend's scarves, and he'll point to the scarf on his neck, and the scarf has like a bunch of designs on it. You know, these pretty much tell the story of someone's life, of many milestones, and and these aren't even my milestones. The only one I have is is kind of of you guys. And he'll kind of show a bit of the scarf, and he'll kind of like show like a very crudely stitched uh, version of everyone on the scarf. And uh, it's only like like one square that's kind of like attached to it. And he goes, and I was hoping to add Gorgamonger on it, but you know, I don't even know what to do anymore. You know, I failed to save my friends. Probably know that night is still out and about hunting me, and and I failed to save my friend. So, only I could really think of to do is to make sure I don't lose you guys either. Or just go home and tell my father I failed and hand over the scarf that isn't even mine. I haven't even earned mine yet. Well, I think you've earned it. I'm gonna kind of take the end of the scarf and run my hand over the stitching. Did you do this yourself? Well, one half is Farron's and the other half is Yelix's. The... But that's you, and you'll kind of point there. It's garbage. <laughs> you cannot recognize it. Like a that's it, in blue. Yeah, it's just blue stitchy with a smiley. Think of like a crude crayon drawing in stitch form, and you know Aww. it has all of you and stuff. And that's and he's that's just a there. little guy. Well, this I hold up the uh, the part that he stitched. This is all you. This is your story. You're forging something pretty beautiful, you know? You're telling your own story, one that, well, one that deserves more of this. You've been incredibly brave and strong, far stronger than you give yourself credit for. Tell you what, once we get back to outset, let's get you a new scarf. Start from zero. Keep this one, of course. But you have a story worth telling, Oren. You're so incredibly special, bud. I think you've earned it. Oren will nod and, and uh, he'll take the scarf back and he'll go. Yeah, that'll, that'll be nice. And, well, I think Gorgamonger still has a place on it. It may not feel great, losing him like that. But what you did for him was, well, it was a mercy. The people that did that to him, that made him the way he was, he was in so much pain and misery that I think he was happy that his friend was there with him at the end. Arnold nod and uh, obviously with no words because you see that he's kind of all choked up and he'll uh, 
you know, he'll just kind of nod. He'll just kind of like become a ball <laughs> of wings and feathers. Bird. Ten hazard. Puts a hand on his shoulder. Orin. Vali is not a failure despite her mutiny. Nor am I for failing to protect Lady Zale. Nor are you for what happened to Gorgamonger. You are far from it. You are the best of us. And your story ends in triumph. I will see to it. Orn will, uh, he'll, he'll kind of take out, uh, the uh, the tooth, basically, that he took from Gorgamonger. And, um, you know, kind of look over to Tannhauser or, or Valley. Like, uh, he'll go, yeah. I'm... Thank you, everyone. And he'll just kind of, like, just kind of stare at the ta- stare at the tooth, basically, as he, uh, then kind of looks over at Rahua. And then goes, like, well, I think... One thing I've always been curious about is that I've never seen anyone, you know, especially made of wood before, besides me. You know, where did you come from, Ruhua? What's your story? Well, Orin, while I have talked to some circumstances of my own origin, I do not believe I've mentioned more than my current state of being. I cannot say that I am the line, latest in a line of roguish captains, clans of renown operating in secret, soldiers of fortune, or rebels who eked out their cause among the violence of this world. Rather, I am something closer to the genesis of a life's work crystallized into a moment extending forward forever. My world line, as you know it, began in the mind of a being of low station and lofty ambition. Someone who saw the dying of the light, even as the whispers of darkness were but suggestions rather than certainties in the minds of many. This being scorned and damned by circumstances in society beyond his control, refused to submit, and through that will held fast to the hope, no, certainty, that it would escape the end that had laid in wait its entire life, that it would bear witness to the salvation of the world we knew, or watch it fall into decay not as a victim, but a spectator on the outside, not privy to the ur-cancer that takes everything else before it. So the being, now styling themselves as a self-appointed king, began their work to find a mechanism of their own transcendence, consuming libraries of arcane knowledge, plundering secret lore and sealing the blueprints of forbidden sciences from anyone who lacked the foresight to know of the king's true motivations in their movements. With time, the king would gain a following of their own right, 
those who wanted to, to escape from the forthcoming endless night, and, like the king, sought apotheosis. These acolytes, now organized into the cult of the lidless eye, toiled and accelerated its work, king's work, tenfold, as they devised a tool, a great machine that, with the right preparations, would ferry them to a state of existence to rival the gods themselves. To look those divinities square in their eyes and speak truth to power and ask why there's nothing that has been done, why there has been no escape, or do that work themselves and what the gods would not. They labored, they lived, and died, but ultimately succeeded. Their sigils inscribed, incantations poured and profane said, and wards prepared. On the night of the ritual of Exodus, as it were, the cult assembled as they did, and conducted the final preparations, chanting in chorus. As with final preparations made, the machine they had toiled on for so long and through generations flickered to life. First, a gentle thrum, then screaming, and finally, silence. In its wake, that king who had cried defiance to the world beyond, he, the only who remained, was instead met by a tear, not shed by himself, but by the face of creation, now staring back. Destruction gave way to creation as something entirely new would, unbeknownst even to itself, be the answer that that king had sought. While I took form but three years ago, I do know that I have lived far longer, as long as the stars have swam in the ebon gulf above us. And Rahua will gesticulate and actually, if need be, cast prestidigitation as the star field at his center, his very core, expands outwards. His, well, you know, kind of smokiness, this star field now like a projection in front of him, and he's moving his hands around as energies, profound and unknowable, begin moving around the star field. Oh shit, we're Cosmo Canyon backstorying. Most do not think of the cosmos as alive. You might see yourself, as one might see yourself anyway, but maybe you are right. The cosmos is not a creature rising at dawn and sleeping at dusk. It, the universe does not stroll into town and buy a roast to entertain guests, nor a trinket to give a friend. So I suppose that in the sense of the singular self, the universe is not alive, and thus, as a singular entity, is without purpose. Across the yawning maw of creation, life in all forms sprung forth in but a cosmic instant, as gods coalesced from protomatter into transcendent beings beyond our comprehension, and gouts of roiling starfire cooled, giving rise to worlds without number, and life as you know it took its first steps towards an uncertain and unknowable future. 
what for us in flesh is an incalculable length of time is as brief as the blink of a lidless eye to the universe. Every sunrise and sunset, the squall of a summer storm giving way to the calm of rainbow, the cadence of life unto death as natural as breathing to the world around us, and the unceasing movement to and fro of creatures great and small, the blood coursing through its infinite figure. Each and every star streaking across the night sky, the panoply of nature in harmony and moment of repose, contentment or safety you may feel, every single one, a gift given by the universe to itself worth more than any coin could ever hope purchase. I don't mean to ramble, but do you see? Existence is as singular as it is plural. It is every experience and movement of reality that was or will be. While we may think of ourselves as children of the universe, we are just as much creator as the created. Every gift it gives to us, it gives to itself. It lives in every moment of living. The joy of life is in existence experiencing itself. Even if it doesn't know it as an entity as you or I do, we are one in the same, but with different perspectives. Allowing the universe to experience that same singular moment in an infinite number of ways. And that, my friends, is a beauty we can only begin, scarcely so, to comprehend. I was a part of everything. I was everything. You, Tannhauser, Oren, Bali, everyone, even you, Picturn. And I didn't know the endless fantasy of life until I, myself, began to live, too. In knowing this fantasy, I have come to some understanding. The mantle of responsibility upon my frame I willingly bear from my... my king, my creator. All of creation is our lives in concert. A symphony with infinite players, with a song so transcendentally beautiful that only our soul may hear it. As we move onward, stanza by stanza, discord and order waltz together and carry time onward. A dance eternal that the rot threatens to silence. For all this world's good and ill, the revolution of order unto disorder, I will see to it this song will never cease. To conduct it, and guide its players from behind the veiled podium of perception. You, too, all of you, and Rahua looks out to his friends assembled before him, have done so much, so much more than you know, and are destined to do so much more as we work towards goals unknown but in service of this collective obligation. Your world lines, too, will endure, and I will continue to tender them and others in this garden, as I have. It will be done, for it can be no other way. This I state, and thus 
it shall be. Ooh-wee. And I thought the bake sale was a story. <laughs> wow. And your story is no less beautiful than that. Because it's just part of that grander symphony. Oh, I don't, I don't know about up. that. You sell yourself short. But you are no less grand in your own experiences. I'm kind of short, though. <laughs> you know, you know, it's a, uh, it's funny. It's funny. You know, I, I realize I never told you. You know that that whole story. Oh, oh boy, that was a oh what a what a what a series of events. You know. Oh gosh, I, you know, like I said, the folks from Radaman came right couple years after my, my mother passed and I just ran I think you know we all ran hopefully another squelch has got to be out there I know it and eventually I found myself in out I forget if it was with a caravan or a boat it all kind of blurs together you just kind of go from place to place and oh boy it just just sort of happens right and you know I found myself in out and I didn't really fit in there I thought okay well maybe I'll make it out in the in the, in the solitude, right? I go out in the solitude. That That's a place where you can kind of make a name for yourself. You can kind of do some things out there. You know, find some people to tell stories about and then come back to outside and then I could tell those stories. A lot of people, they didn't like the bake sale stories. In fact, they didn't like a lot of my stories. So I think a lot of why I was trying to impress my stories upon a lot of people as well. Just because, you know, I just wanted someone to listen to them. But I really came out finding the stories for other people so that they would listen to me telling the stories about those people. And I went with a caravan, you know, I thought, oh, we get some caravan garden. It'd be good. And Well, there was, oh, there was this moment there. It was all good. And it just kind of, kind of all clicked. And I realized to myself, I realized at that exact moment that I didn't need this caravan. I, You know what? I didn't I didn't need to tell other people's stories. You know what? If I got by on coppers telling stories about the bake sale, I was going to go do that. Right. So. So, you know, I, this this came to me and I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I was actually taking a leak at the time. I was away from the caravan, just taking a bit of a leak in my own thoughts. And I said to myself, pick turn, pick turn. You're going to go back there. Tell them caravan folks what's what's what after you're done taking this leak. And then, you know, you're going to you're going to go back to outset and you're going to tell stories about the farm. But well, what ended up happening was, well, I came back and there was a there was a whole whole event happening there were there were folks attacking the caravan you know now that i think about it i think those people we saw at the blaze camp it was them and they got these little fire gremlins that were all like rrr, rrr, rrr. and you know I got I got shot. I got hit by some crossbows. It was bad. Now and you know me I got a quick word that can usually you know clean up some wounds but it was hectic and I thought you know no, I need some medical supplies. This is real bad so I'm Went to went to the caravan and oh I got this 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 chest had a medics guild symbol on it I just opened it up and I'm like all right what do you got for me well it had something for me it was not what I expected and I don't remember much after that I woke up every every everyone was gone well dead dead actually they were all dead I was kind of alone the smell of smoke on the air and I didn't know what to do I just just decided I'd pick a direction and walk 
figured I could get back to Zabble Zaps or, you know, somewhere and just started walking. And that's when, you know, there was all this mist that came up and I had no idea where I was. And I just decided, you know what? I got to figure this out, right? I got to figure out where to go. And I thought I was in the right direction. But then this thing, this thing came out of nowhere. You, you ever, you ever seen like a, like one of them big cats, you know, the, the real big ones, not, not the house cats they got, but like a big cat. A, any of you ever see this? Yes. Many yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was like one of them, but, but it was made of, it was made of other stuff. It was made of rocks and air and there's a little bit of fire. I think there was even some water and I was, I was hallucinating clearly. And this thing, it it chased me for a while. And it was doing all sorts of weird things. It was chasing me left and right, and it was kind of forcing me along. And at the end of it all, I found myself alone in the swamp, surrounded by mist. I had no idea where it was. Lost my direction entirely. So I just, I just played my pipes. I just played my pipes. And I thought, you know, if I have to go out in this swamp because that cat thing's gonna eat me or because something in the swamp's gonna eat me well you know that's that's probably how it's gonna happen that's fine i'll go out playing my pipe just like remember two things my mama told me about you know one distant people and two do the pipes well the pipes so i started playing the pipes by gosh i played them pipes and then someone someone came through that mist it was y'all y'all came through that mist that's how you and i you know if I was a better person, I would have told y'all what happened and what really happened. But I just said, oh, no, I got lost. And with a caravan, I didn't tell you about the, the gooey stuff. Or I didn't I didn't tell you about the, 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 the rock, fire, water, air cat. You know, <laughs> you, thought, you would have thought I was crazy. So, <coughs> no, I just I just I'm, I'm you know, I'm glad. Glad we got to have this this talk here. It's, it's good. Go. Just don't go pinching me again with those big damn claws. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. I got no claws here. I'm a, I'm just a bull. But you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing, really. And as like this is this conversation is going on, can all of you give me a perception check? Oh boy! Oh, do I have to? Uh, must I? Yes, yes, you do. Dun dun dun. And that twenty, you. We oh, a nineteen. For a yeah, thirty. Warren. Oren got a natural 20. 19 Oof. for 34. Uh, Vic, Vic is fading in and out of reality. She's probably going to actually take a nap. She was probably taking a nap during the midst of all this. No! She dozed off. As Gandalf the Grey, well, Gandalf the White once said, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, no, 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 actually it was Gimli, but the sun is rising. Um, and as, as this, this conversation is going on, you can see that in the background, the sun is starting to, to rise up in the, in the horizon. His picture and sort of looks at all of you smiling. And he actually stands up as the, the last embers of the fire start to go to, to go out. Well, you know, <laughs> It's, it's morning time, and my my mom she says you always got to work hard in the morning. So I gotta go help her out, you know, because she'll get awful angry if I don't. But you know, it's nice. It's nice catching up and having this talk. Should have done it on the first day, but that's okay. You just just you know, sometimes you have regrets, but then you just move on and just make them gets. That's what I always say. Um, 
but you know i don't want to i don't want to go off you know without without anything right because you know that's another thing that the squelch family has you know it's 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 just a thing we have so i'm gonna volley if you if you would um i'm gonna give these to you real quick and he extends his bagpipes towards you volley oh just want you to hold on to these for a bit you know of course good yeah very good hold them gently probably squeeze a bit too tight to make a That wakes up the fucking Merc. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Pally. Appreciate it. There you go. All right. There you go. All right. Well, I'm, uh, I'm going to get going now. Before you leave, Big Turn. Yeah? You said once there were two kinds of people in this world. Those destined and those not. But I believe the amalgamate was sent by our sponsors, or in some way is tied to them. Which means, my friend, you are the destined. You are one of us. No, 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 sir. No, sir, that's not the meaning of the story. See, like my mama said, oh, she's calling. She, I'm going to have to get going. Oh, she's going to be mad if I stay much longer. But, you know, she said, it's okay to not be one of the destined people. It's okay to help them. You know, all I need is for you, y'all, to do great things. You told me your stories. You, you did great things. So I'm going to get going. You just do great things. And if you do great things, well, then that means I did a great thing. And then we all do great things together, right? <laughs> you're going to come back this farm one day, tell me all them stories. You're going to tell me how you're a captain again. You're gonna tell me how you know you're gonna you're gonna find what happened. Your mentor, you're gonna go. You're gonna give Golgotha a little slap around his head. Maybe have a revolution or nine along the way. Um, I, I didn't understand much of what you said, Rahua, but I'm sure I'm sure you know it'll sink in, and I'll have some things to tell you about. But you know, I like stars; they're pretty. And um, for for you for for you you know Victrix, um, I'm, I'm sorry you got poisoned. Um, you know, and Oren, you just gotta think about what <laughs> nice. you got in life and, uh, you know, what you want in life. And, you know, when, when, when you got something, even if it seems impossible, you, you gotta go and take it. Don't give up. Don't give up. <laughs> okay, for real, though, I gotta get going. She's yelling. Can't you hear? She's hollering one in more the thing, distance. Victor. Just oh, one. one more thing. All right, all right, but she's getting awful hangy. I just wanna ask permission for one thing. You mind if I tell your story? You're a part of ours, and it feels wrong to leave you out. Oh yeah, you go, you go right ahead, and just, just tell him, just tell him that you know. I'll tell him all about Pictern Squelchfoot and the bake sale and oh, the bravest little bard we ever knew. Oh, that's that's awful swell of you, but maybe don't tell tell people too much about the bake sale. That was a humdinger. But next time you're around this farm, I'll tell you the whole thing. All right, bye, y'all. And he gives this wave and turns and walks away and as he walks away the vision begins to to shift and fade and you find yourself with everything somewhat dislocated and distended as basically everything seems to seems to pause all 
all of it. And you look around and you have this one last look at the farm, the Squelchfoot family farm. Um, and as all of that happens, you very quickly find yourself away from it. You find yourself instead in a cave. In a room that you had previously been in. A grotto room. A room filled with broken crates displaying the mark of the medic's guild. A room that has a rushing waterfall at the edge. And the waters here are now a crystalline blue despite coming from and knowing that they're coming from you know the fetid waters of the swamp you see just this this brilliant clear water rushing in and the entire place has just this absolute uh, clean smell on the air the rot and other showings have entirely just disappeared from the walls here in fact, it almost just looks like this place is entirely cleaned now. All right. Well, I'm going to step out in front of the destined band of Chucklevox and Victrix. <laughs> <laughs> Going to sort of still holding the bagpipes, put kind of one fist on my hip. We learned a lot about each other today things that I'm sure were hard for any of us to talk about. So now we keep moving forward. I mean, look at us where what a merry band of assholes we are. <laughs> a former warlord, a shitty captain, a tree made of star stuff, and, uh, Little bird boy who lost his way. It's a wonder Whoa. we've made it this far, but we've made it. We're here. And I'm glad I glad that I have you guys. Oh captain, my captain. Oh shut up. <laughs> I can't call myself a captain. How do you people? <laughs> you keep that prophecy shit to your guys' selves. I don't want no part of that. Oh, like sorry. You're already knee-deep. You're already knee-deep in this shit, Victrix. Oh, come on. I just want to cash out and leave you guys to your, your will, storybook uh, stuff. Is he Oren having a little, 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 little cry face going on? He kind of grabs everyone and brings everyone in for a group hug, but excludes oh, Victrix. <laughs> that's that's fine. She's she's leaning on her glaive because she fucking hurts. Yeah, I'm gonna wrap my arms around everybody, pull them in close. Wow. Rahul will extend his big tree arms and pull everybody together. Sometimes destiny is foisted upon us, huh? Greatness is yeah. rarely a circumstance of birth. More often than not, it is fate. And we are more than tied together. Fate, my friends. Orn will, uh, will take the, uh, kind of like slowly, like, tug the bagpipes away from Bali if she allows it. And will kind of 
look over to Tannhauser and kind of reach out to him and, and goes like, what does it say? I'll cast object whispers. I don't know if you had anything written, Thurston, but... Yeah, no, uh, you channel the object whispers onto it, and as you do so, um, there is there is a, a brief moment as you touch the psychic emanation, and the, the text that comes into your mind, spoken and sort of read, is simply, I can't wait to tell you about the bake sale. That son of a bitch, he's done it again. <laughs> Ornwall. Uh, I guess Orin will start. <laughs> I like to say uh, the held message that one chat member said is fuck you. <laughs> I will allow Not it. allow that. No, I, I will allow it. I get to I allow, allow one. So um, I guess Orin will start leading everybody out, uh, I guess, and go like, well, I... Guess me to go tell Ribius. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. I thought I turned that off. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go, one more. Hands in, everyone. Come here. Hands in. Put my hand in the center. Orn puts his All wooden right. hand in. I'm ready for the Yu-Gi-Oh marker. Rowo <laughs> 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 puts his mechanical hand in. I. I do we all have fake hands? I'm just. I, just... I have two real hands. Yeah, Do I need I to cut real, an arm but... off? I'm sorry to steal your thunder there, Tanhauser. Was that or put my wooden hand in? Then Orin would feel left out too. That <sighs> enough. We all be hey. might be made of broken pieces, but at least it makes us whole. Oh, you poetic little shit! Vic is gonna pat Volley on the shoulder. Better put both your hands in. Volley's not here to put his in. Ha! <laughs> I'll put a, I'll put a second one in for Baldrick. All right. Well, here's to moving forward. Here's to being chuckle fucks saddled with the weight of destiny. Here's to being friends. Here to rewrite the past. Here's to being friends. And my comrades we've lost much in these dreadful swamps but we've gained much two legacies to carry forward and I hope a deep truth to our bond let's make those bastards pay For all nods. those. Sorry, I don't want to step on your bit. There's Orin. Nope, I just said he nods. Orin has no bit. <laughs> Keep going. For all those who would use this vile disease to end all the beauty around us who have hurt us all in some way. No price is too high and no consequence too great we shall endure for those who did not. Forever and ever onwards. 
right. Let's go find What now? Yes. Yeah, back to the back to the entrance of the cave. You make your way through the grotto. The water's here, easily admitting you at this point. Um, you find yourselves traveling and making your way through. The walls again have all cleared up. Any touch of the rot has disappeared, evicted from this locale. Um, you soon find yourselves in the cavernous walls of Rubius's area, and as you do so, you hear this almost like melodic humming. This, like, if angels sung, it would sound like what you are hearing. And as you walk in, you see the great Ribius, the avatar of Auntie Drown, sitting in a, in a beautiful set of water, like just this, this gorgeous crystalline blue water, and the immense, immense toad-like creature. Its eyes dart towards you as you come in, its its upper mouth letting out this angelic chorus, and then its its middle mouth just going, Why, hello there again. Rubius? Feel much better now. Seems you done did what you was gonna do in there. We took care of it. That we did. Are you feeling better yourself? Oh, I do feel good. You see, the Tarmau can't sing proper. No more of them oohs and ahs. That's good to hear. Or no, we'll, we'll kind of step up and go, well, uh, now that we've kind of helped you with, with that rock, can you help us with ours? We've, you know, I, we've, we've lost a lot. Uh, and he'll kind of, and Orin will kind of look down at, his, uh, at the fang that he has, but he's and then kind of look down at the, at the bagpipes that Valley's now carrying. And, uh, and he goes, can you, can you still help us? Oh, I can certainly do my best I can. You know, now that I see you all, you, you made the rot lesser in this here place. And that means I should be able to make the rot lesser on you. Even you, child of the storm, you were so close, you were so close being lost to us but I can bring you closer closer to the the primal world and the primal magics and the, the, the truth to the nature yeah thank you that's good to hear no no thank you you came in you found whatever was in that there back grotto must have been something real bad to keep me now singing like that. Yes. Um, do you know who it was who delivered those boxes from the Medics Guild to your grotto? Oh, that's just from the people the house set. They're very generous. The old accords mean they give us supplies. My people store them. The, the folk of the Kabul, like sodden earth, they, 
They put them in the streams and they come down there. Uh-huh. I see. Well, you might Except want to for them children of the blaze recently. They they come and they break stuff. They stop them from coming. That's why there haven't been too many. I thought I thought Ruby was about to do a Lorraine's int bit. They come with axes. <laughs> they come <Yeah>. with <laughs> You may want to be careful about those medic skilled boxes from here on out. Whoa. I guess I'll have the the folks look. You know that little that little one outside. Tasty, they, 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 they good, they good kid. You should tell them to come on in here. I want to talk to them at some point. Not now, though. But you tell them, you tell them. Oh, all oh, uh, Rivius is down for the talking now. I'm sure they'll be very excited. Now, you want some help? All right. All right, you come in front of me. Those of you who still got that rod on you. Orin, uh, yeah, I guess Orin kind of looks at Bali and going like, well, let's hope we don't get it back. <laughs> Fingers crossed. And I yeah. take his little hand. Yeah, you oh, guys uh, good luck with that. He's probably going to, like, fucking puke on you or whatever. I'll meet you guys out front. Take it easy. <laughs> Vic walks off. Okay. Yeah, she, she's going to she's gonna peg leg her way out of there. All right, come close. Come a little bit closer. Yeah, we we walk up. Very good, very good. And like this angelic voice is still coming from the, the, the topmost mouth, its head sort of bobbing, its its bottom mouth closed, its middle mouth talking, all right, all right, you gotta wait for it, you gotta wait for it, you gotta... And then out of nowhere, immediately fast, this bottom mouth opens and a tongue goes out and slathers over you, Orin, and then over Vali, covering you in thick, viscous matter. Um, <laughs> and you feel this, like, dissolving, like, acidic feeling on your skin. Uh, um, and you it's expired gold brand. It's not, <laughs> it's not pain, but you just feel this sensation like like you you can hear the hissing sound on you as this tongue impacts you. Oh, uh, OK. OK. Oh, that's slimy. <laughs> can I, uh, uh, can I make a rough or... artude so save to not puke? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. You just tell me if I succeed or not. On rolls. He rolled a 15 on the die for a 29. Uh, he he holds off. And as you, you sort of both stagger back, hacking and coughing and having this go over all of you, um, you feel as though, like, you feel healthy. Like a person who, you know, has been sick but hasn't realized they've been sick yeah. and suddenly, like, comes out like, it's wow, I just feel better. Yeah, like, wow, I didn't even realize how shitty I was before. Oh. Orin, uh, Especially you, Vali. Especially. That's a weight. Orin looks at Vali's eyes. They are completely clear. Vali, your, your eyes, they... They don't have the rod in them anymore. None at all. Really? Not even a little? 
I don't see any. Do I? Do I suspect there's anything in there? Like no evidence. You see nothing. It looks as though it's entirely cleared. It's gone, Valley. Holy or, shit! All right, Orange stops. Like, do you want us to stop calling you Valley? Hmm. You know, might be nice to be called by my real name for a little bit. I, uh, well, I haven't exactly earned Mom's title yet, so. Or, or nods and goes. Or nods and goes. Well, it's nice to meet you, Vina. <laughs> and Zoran nods and knows he has to update the overlay for our next episode. I ain't episode. doing it right now. That shit requires Photoshop. That shit can I'm wait. Just, you're, you'll wait till next time. <laughs> All right. We'll do, it, we'll do it next time, but uh, close but Orin, enough. Mm-hmm. Orin looks down and uh, looks at the talon that he was holding, and, uh, and he oh, goes, "I wish. Yeah. I kind of wish. I, I wish Gorgamarga wasn't so gone, and we could have brought him here." Oh, that what you want? What? Yeah, but Gorgamarga's dead now, and all I have left oh, of him no. is this. I see things. I see so many things. You know, I've been around the, the place for a while now. You know how long I've been around here? Or looks around uh, a while. <laughs> very, very good. I've been around a very long while. You know, all the things I see. I saw, I was here before. The them folks on the the big continent they they made their house on the moon. I was here before that. I was I was here before that little kid came and he took over the big city outset. I I was here before his dad came and brought him up to the moon with him. I've been here for a while now. I've been here since before that awful rot showed up. I'm hoping I'll be here after it too. But in that time, I see many things. And well, well, I think what I, what I see there is a little, just a little bit of Atma. Just a little, little bit of Atma in that there thing there. Bit that didn't want to go, didn't want to go back through the crucible of creation to that fundamental battlefield, to that elemental churn. No, it wanted to stay here, wanted to stay with you. So, you, uh, you wanna, you wanna be closer with that one, that one that you think is gone, but is right there with you. Orin, Orin nods, and, uh, like, can, can you help me, can you help me save him? Well, that's gonna depend a lot on you, oh. but you're a child of the primal. That means you can do so many things. Oh, he kind of looks at his other arm and, and stuff, and... Well, if it requires something, I, I only gave him one arm. I can, I can give more if it helps. 
help save Gorgamonger. All right. Well, I think you gotta take the plunge and we see what happens. Like plunge where? The middle mouth closes and Uh the angelic singing stops as the bottom mouth opens wide like a glistening cavern. Oh. Oh, Oh, it's a voice stream. I hate you. You can find the worst way to destroy life as we know it. Uh, Uh, Oren looks in there and is like, Thurston, deny him. And he looks at Valley, uh, or looks at Vina now, and he looks back at everybody else. And uh, so somewhere in the distance off. And, uh, and he kind of looks back at Rubio, so he's like, in there. He's trying to talk with the middle yeah. mouth that isn't open. Orn runs, uh, Talon out and everything, just like no pause and jumps in. Wings spread, just kind of like just bird dive as if like a, you know, just whoosh, right inside. All right. You know what happens? We'll find out when we come back for our next episode, everybody. Dun, 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 dun. You son of a bitch! Whoa! That is the end <laughs> of season two, adventure two of of Rot Grind. Uh, I want to immediately say, also, um, you know, since people were saying that after speakers uh, yelling speech of backstory that I had to award a million XP, I won't award a million, but I will uh, have our our players now up to level eight. So someday I'll learn how to talk into the mic without deafening people. <laughs> no, that was so fucking good. The <laughs> backstory exchange. Oh, oh yeah, I'm living crazy. for it. I, y'all have yep. probably heard me crying like a baby the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> On the moon. Oh yeah, Baldric is still level seven. No, no, Baldric didn't. Yeah, yeah, Vic, Vic took his level. <laughs> I declare stolen. Dead. Get out yeah. of here, Erndil. You don't exist anymore. Yep. Sorry. I'm still here. Okay. But with that, I'd like to reintroduce the amazing players who brought you today's episode. Starting off with Odo Roshi. Hello, I was Odoroshi. I was playing Vali or Vina, the Sylph Swash Buckler. You can find me on Twitter at Odoroshi Writer and not many other places unless you have a Tumblr, which you probably shouldn't. Um, (laughs) It was fantastic uh, ending out this second season with y'all, and I am so excited for more seasons of Rot Grind to come. There has been a lot of very fun stuff revealed, and I... uh, I'm along for the ride, and I hope you all are, too. And of course, next up, we have Hulky Crow. That is me. I am Hulky Crow. You can find me at the usual places on Twitter, the Narrative Declaration Community Discord, and a few other places, such as Eden Ogre Popening's many wonderful productions. I am so grateful to our other cast members here for including me on. Uh, yeah, I'm very happy we've not only made it to it, gone past 30 episodes now, and thank you to everybody for this wonderful journey and this story that I helped tell as well. 
and I am so thrilled to get to do more stuff with you going forward as we move into season three. And of course, we have Aaron Dill. Howdy, folks. I'm Aaron Dill. You can meet me at Twitter at Aaron Dillio and the Tumblr, but you'll have to find me there and basically nowhere else. Hooray. And this has been a lot of fun. Been enjoying how things are going. It's fun to flip-flop between Baldrick and Vic. And uh, anyone who's like, oh, I can't believe Baldrick missed out on the emotional moments. Like, I got great news for you. He is uh, unlikely to be super changed by it unless they find a reason to badger him about it. We'll get That's his up ass. To them. That's we'll up to him. them. We'll, we'll see what happens. Out. But you'll have to find out when we come back from our big break because, oh, boy. Of course, next up we have Speaker of the D. Oh, shit, that's me. Hi, I'm Speaker D. I've now with all of Tannhauser's war crimes bear. You can complain to me about it at Super Snake Kick on Twitter. You can also see the lovely animations that Erndil and I conspired to create on Brother <laughs> Alpha Buse's YouTube channel through Hunter the Parenting, Half-Life Zero Viscosity, and in general works of Ogre Popenangdom. And I have to say, this has been a phenomenal session and one of my favorites. Yeah. And I have been, uh, I have been your host from narrative declaration uh i am zoran the bear i play the uh strix druid Orin, and uh happily we're now level eight a whole bunch of stuff's happening we've been going on for this for for years so far and i'm very excited for the next season and uh see all that is going to happen but of course none of this would ever happen without our illustrious game master thurston hillman Oh, hi, it's me. It's Thirsty. You can find me at all the things at on call GM. Um, oh, boy, that's that's it for season two. We are going to be taking a bit of a, a bit of a break. I'm I'm taking a weekend for one of our shows to go, go, go de-stress a bit and take a week off that is not hospital related for the first time since we've started this show. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm excited. Um, but overall, I just want to thank everyone. We've been really, 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 really um, just looking looking forward to getting this season done and jumping into season three season three is gonna take us back to outset and you know introduce some new and old faces and I, I i say uh season three will be the point where a lot of the the story arcs will come together and you'll start to see the the grand tapestry um but you know we're also happy to get out of the mandatory poison swamp section of the dark souls uh inspired world so thank yeah. you thank you very much one and all for you know being with us and supporting us um you know i would i have to shill our patreon because if you're interested in this world that we've been you know building together as a team uh you know for just over a year now um you know we put out content there and we try to you know build this world out more and more every month with new stuff and so you know your support we can't do it and i'm just so humbled to see all the the good vibes and just great 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 people you all are and i love your faces oh. Uh, yeah. I want Patreon everything NarrativeDeclaration.com for everything Your contributions matter Your attendance helps us out a lot And overall the community has been amazing So with all that uh, This will time the episode a bit But we will see you guys uh, after our break And we will see you all next time On Rock Grind Hope you guys have a fantastic evening And take care of yourselves So long Farewell 
and we'll see you next time. Love yourself as you love the universe.